Have you dreamed of bigger things for your life? Then you are in the right place. Each week, you will be given tips on how to change your inner dialogue, conquer your goals, and ways to step into a higher version of yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Kubat. I'm a motivational speaker who hosts personal development events. I'm a sought-after fitness instructor, a wife, and a mom of two young boys. I'm obsessed with all things personal development, and I believe anyone can achieve the life they want. Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. So today I will be chatting with Kate Moon, who is one of those people, her energy is just super, super attracting, attracting, attractive. (laughs) You're attracted to her energy, just soothing and calming and just good juju. But before we get into our chat, I want to let you know that by the time you're hearing this, there's only three weeks left to get your ticket to the Become Your Vision Women's Conference. I will stop selling uh, tickets on September 18th. That's a week prior to the event. VIP has been sold out and there are some general admission left. So it's something that if you've been thinking about, I encourage you just to go, go for it. And I promise you, if you think this would be great, It's going to be, and it's going to be a day of empowerment and inspiration and connecting to other women, but also under understanding yourself more and connecting to yourself more. So tickets are $47 and I'll leave all that information in the show notes. All I ask is for you to show up as yourself and I'll do the rest. So here is our interview. I have Kate Moon, who is a local Charleston yoga teacher, entrepreneur, and community leader. She is currently the director of yoga at Core 4 Elite Fitness, a new boutique fitness startup located in West Ashley, and the owner of Kate Moon Yoga LLC. Through her company, she is most known for her international yoga and self-study retreats, through which she seeks to help people understand uh, who they are and how they show up in the world. Ooh, sounds so good. She is a legacy Lululemon ambassador. It can be found in the Charleston community during doing various pop-up yoga classes and events with other wellness leaders. Kate is known for her forthcoming in the community about her journey in sobriety in order to be a resource to those who might be seeking help, hope, and understanding. Thank you, Kate, for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So I think you're the third person I've had on who has um, discussed their sobriety journey. I had my mom on. I had uh, Susan Perkins. She's an instructor at um, Gold Gym. And so I know so many people listeners related to those, uh, episodes. And I know they're going to relate to your story. I haven't heard your story, but I'm super excited about that. And, uh, we met, so we met a couple of weeks ago in the, um, when you did yoga in the park and it was just such a beautiful day. And you have a way of just, I don't know, like being a magnet, you attract people to you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I just love people Mm -hmm. and I've grown to know that about myself and through various jobs and just through years of growing into who I am. I feel like I've learned that I also naturally just kind of emerge in this leadership role, regardless of what job path I'm on or group I'm standing with. 
And um, it's really opened my eyes to who I am and how I show up and um, how, how our voices, you know, can be carried through one person, you know, but can be carried as a whole um, together. So it's been, it's been a journey and I loved having you out in the park that day. It was the perfect day. And I feel like I know a little bit about you through mutual friends. So I'm glad that we finally got connected. Yeah, me too. So, uh, Q was the one. So if listeners love the gunner, I had my phone, uh, with the episode, it was a couple episodes ago and, uh, gunner and Q from gunner made were both on, they just have such a funny, funny and interesting dynamic. And Q came up to me and she was like, Oh my gosh, you're going to love Kate. She's such a good story. You should totally have her on the podcast. And then you're so down. You're like, yeah, I would, you know, some people are like a little standoffish if they're more introverted, but you were, you were game. No, I'm a big believer in just sharing our stories as people, regardless of what the story is about. I think the more that we just talk about our lives, the more it normalizes what we go through. Mm -hmm. And that could be small things, big things, but it just gets people talking and connecting and looking around at each other. Like, Oh, me too. Me too. And they're just, there needs to be more connection in this world as opposed to, as opposed to being apart from I like to think of like being a part of, and I feel like that's what our community always needs more of is being a part of. So when someone asked me like, Hey, do you want to talk? Do you want to have coffee? Do you want to share who you are? And I'm like, yes, of course I do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then it's just like, it supercharges other people to do the same thing. So true. So true. So would you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? Oh my gosh. A great question because my job requires me to be so extroverted and carry an energy and share my emotions and take on other people's emotions that when I'm done for the day, I am phone off, turned over on the table. I don't want to talk. And I also am am shut off from listening for the most part. Um, So I feel like I'm a little bit of both, but when it comes down to it, what I really want to do, like this weekend, I'm booking an Airbnb for two nights to just go be by myself oh. and just reset and get re-inspired. And I love traveling alone, like doing my own thing. So in that way, I feel like I'm a huge introvert because I feel one of my favorite days that I've ever had on this earth. I maybe said five words to people all day and I just walked the streets of Belgium by myself. And it was perfect. It was perfect. I am like, Oh, just picturing, like just getting an Airbnb. I talked to my husband about this and it's more so as I've gotten older. And then for me, once having like kids, and then also I have a job where I'm talking constantly. And at the end of the day, yeah. Like you said, you just want to like tune everything out because you feel like you're constantly on and you are, I teach uh, group fitness classes as well. And I, yeah, you take another people's energy and you try to give out a certain energy that it's, you know, it's draining. It's it's so much fun, but it's also can be very, very draining. And, um, Oh, an Airbnb somewhere I'm going to, I'm going to do. And actually Q, and Gunner have been 
huge in, in telling me like, Kate, you have to do this for yourself. You know, you have to refill your cup. You have to get away, uh, to get inspired or just take time to yourself, uh, so that you can show up and be the best for other people. And I, I try and do those things here locally. And I'm really good about it because I always want to be someone who tries at their fullest to practice what they preach, you know, Mm -hmm. rest and giving back to yourself and filling your cup, but to just get away for even just a a night or two, something close by Savannah or, you know, Jacksonville beach or Charlotte, you know, something go take a yoga class out of city and, and just feel like you could just be, be there for, for a day. And yeah, I don't know. Where are you going? Well, so I'm a little irritated at myself because I was going back to Jacksonville beach and I say back to, cause that's where I went to college. Okay. But I haven't been there since college. Is so it Florida? Like, yes. I'm okay. Florida. I was like, I, I thought I feel like this is going to sound stupid. Okay. <laughs> Wanted to make yes. Sure. I am from, there's a Jacksonville in North Carolina as well. So okay. See, easily to be confused. Um, but I was heading down there and I waited too long to book this amazing Airbnb on the beach. And now it's booked. So I, I don't, I'm either going to go to Savannah or to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I would go to Charlotte is because they have some yoga studios where Savannah's kind of slim pickings. Okay. So that'll be nice. Either one is going to be a great choice for the moment, you know, just live on the edge a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Yes, for sure. I love that. So Mm -hmm. how do you know, um, Gunner and Q? You know, I actually first met Gunner. I knew of Q from the yoga community. Okay. He taught at a place downtown that I was friends with the owner and, but I had never really met her in person. Mm. And then I DM'd Gunner for a personal training session a few years ago. And it was when I was, I was, um, I was a director at Hilo, but there was something about, again, needing to give back to myself. And I loved working out at Hilo, but when I was working out there, I had to be on, right. Because people knew that I worked there. So even if I went on, on an off day, it was like clients wanted to talk and do this and do that. So I reached out to Gunner and said, you know what, I need to get out of my own house Mm -hmm. and I need to do something really good for myself. So I started personally training with Gunner and then that kind of fell off once quarantine hit and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually I got to know Q through him, through all of his photo shoots and marketing that she was doing. And then I actually came to hire Q on at Hilo as a yoga teacher. So then she was a part of my yoga team. Um, and then our relationships have just really blossomed from there. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. So you... I saw that you went on like a, a mentor date. So is he your mentor? Uh, I say that he, he probably wouldn't say that he is, but he is so full of knowledge. Granted, he is more than a decade younger than me, which I hate to admit, but he is, but he's young and successful. And I am just starting off building my own personal business. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing the Kate Moon yoga thing for a while and I've hosted retreats for a few years now but I'm really just planning my roots as far as what does my business look like Mm -hmm. and what avenues do I want to go down? And he has been very insightful and very knowledgeable when it comes to 
prioritizing things as far as establishing myself and making sure financially I'm set up for success. And really, he's just walking me through his own experience and also going above and beyond in setting me up with other networks in the community as far as financial advisors. And he set me up with Q. They came to one of my yoga retreats in Mexico earlier this year. And um, Q said, hey, this is what I do on the side. So I got invested in her and she's helping me build out the back end of my business right now, kind of streamlining um, emails and all that kind of stuff where I was a color coding spreadsheet kind of gal because I'm old school, (laughs) but she's got all these systems in place. And so he has provided me with a lot of guidance when it comes to um, less is more or invest in these these people to do what you're not strong at so that you have more energy to do what you're really good at. Totally. And, um, cause it can be scary. You're only making a little bit of money as a startup. Mm-hmm. And so to then turn around and reinvest that money mm-hmm. is very scary. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he's really given me a lot of guidance in that. So it's been wonderful. So yeah, he, he mentors me in that, but I would also say that I mentor him when it comes to, you know, certain things in, in mindfulness and in movement as well. And in, in a yogic lifestyle sense. I love that. And I think as business owners now, a lot of my listeners, I mean, there are some, there are some business owners, but even in the mindset of like personal development, it's like when you take the initiative and you believe that you are worth investing in, whether it's personal training or a nutrition program, or as far as business coaches and mentors, or even therapy, uh, it's like you get way more out of it than you put in. And I, it took me so long to realize that. And I, in the same way, so I, you know, beginning business and, but I've invested so much into my business this year because I believe in it. And it's like, when you do that, you're going to make that back 10 times the amount in more ways than one, whether it's financially or through connections or experience. Like, uh, so everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Cause it's it, it, yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's scary, but it's exciting all at once. And, you know, Q has become like one of my, my best friends through this process and one of my biggest supporters. And she's so uplifting and, and such a good reminder of like that I deserve it. Right. She's like, you deserve to have your voice heard or you deserve to be successful Mm -hmm. in whatever success means to you. Mm -hmm. That's for you to define, but like, let me help you get there. And it's just been an incredible experience so far. And we're just getting started. Just getting started, baby. I love it. Yes. And when somebody sees that in you, they know you have something they're like, this can be taken to so many other levels. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I thought about this. How fitting has anybody ever mentioned this to you that your last name is moon and you teach yoga all the time. (laughs) I constantly have to tell people they're like, well, that's not your real last name. Like that's your yoga name. And I'm like, no, like this isn't a stage name. Like, yeah, not like a professional dancer where I've got like this stage name or something like that. Like this is my real last name. I get it from my dad, but it's very, very fitting. It's so fitting. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like you planned it. So cool. I know 
it's a perfect little name. Everyone's like, you should open your own studio and call it this or this or that. And I was like, slow down. Let's pump the brakes. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. One day at a time. People ask me that all the time. If it's in my plans to open my own studio or brick and mortar or something like that. And you know, it's, it's really not at this point in my journey. Um, you know, I, I want to, invest in so many other things before I feel like I'm tied down to one place. Mm -hmm. Um, because when I think back to, you know, when I started making this journey into a, a healthy lifestyle and, and when I found my roots in yoga, I remember in my first teacher training at the end of our training, the teacher talking to us about, how all of these resorts all over the world are constantly looking to hire yoga teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, to come for the weekend or come for the week. And I remember that day thinking, I I don't know how I'm going to make that happen, but I'm going to make it happen. And it turns out I didn't even need these other resorts. You know, it was just building it for myself, you know? And I, yeah, I constantly think of like that old movie, I don't know if you've ever saw field of dreams. I think it's from field of dreams. And it's like that whisper from the clouds. Like if you build it, they will come. Oh, and I love I've not that. seen that, but that's, yeah, that's so pretty. I love that. And I say that, I say it, just build it. They'll come, build it. They'll yeah. come. Build it, yeah. They'll come. Yeah. So, so true. And it's like, people get discouraged, whether if it's MLM or building their own, their own thing. It's like when, I've heard this before and I love it. Um, Jess Ekstrom said it. I don't know where she got it from or if it's her original um, saying, but it's just because you hear crickets doesn't mean nobody's listening. Mm. And it's like, we, we take, like, if we post something on social media and nobody likes it, or um, that doesn't mean that they're not listening, That you know, a lot of people are not, um, I don't forget what they call them. They're doers and then watchers or something like that. It's like, they don't, you know, they're watching, but they're not hitting the like button or whatever it is, or taking action. hundred percent. When I um, left the studio that I used to teach at, I had uh, an abundance of messages that came into my inbox saying like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss you and your classes. And there were quite a few, what I would say were like wild cards, people who, you know, they're taking yoga at five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. They're not really like awake (laughs) or, you know, um, really like talkative with you at the time, but these wild cards that would reach out to me and just say like, you have no idea what an impact your words had on me. Mm. And I remember reading some of those messages and just thinking like, wow, I, I didn't even think you liked me, let alone that I, that you were listening to me. Right. And so, yeah, it just goes to show, you know, people hear you, people are listening, even when you think that they're not. And I love, I love that saying. Yeah. I might use that tomorrow in my yoga class. So yeah, do it. We love it. Yes. You guys, I wanted to interrupt this episode because tickets are officially on sale for the Become Your Vision Women's Conference on September 26th in Mount Pleasant in South Carolina at the Ion Meeting House, also known as the Ion Chapel. I will be speaking. I'll have a guest speaker. There are going to be giveaways, music, treats, workshops. The energy is high and you will be surrounded by like-minded women who want to better themselves. 
So when you leave my event, you're going to feel empowered to challenge your thoughts and your critical inner voice. You're going to know that you're not alone in the struggles that you face. You're going to experience breakthroughs through the workshops that I create. And you're going to feel so connected to yourself and the other women in that room because we are all so much alike in terms of the hardships we have faced and the struggles that we deal with every single day. It's our critical inner voice and it could be so mean sometimes. So like I said, I will be speaking. I'm going to share my story with you. We all have a story, so I'm going to share mine with you. I have a guest speaker. Her name is LB Adams. She's a TEDx speaker. She was the TEDx MC. She's also an author. You are just going to get so much goodness from her talk. And then I'm going to have a special guest and I'm going to keep her a surprise, but she is a remarkable person, super inspiring super inspiring um it's just gonna be so good to listen to her tickets will go fast because people are needing connection again and wanting to experience life and to literally become the person that is their vision that's the reason i created this podcast and these events so i'm asking you why not you and why not now so before you talk yourself out of an opportunity that is literally knocking on your door hear that yeah that's me knocking I want you to know that even if we've never met we're friends there's a reason you're listening to this episode you need to be there you do so come by yourself or bring a friend or send someone you think that may need this and just want to remind you that there's no need to be scared or nervous because you have friends in that room you just haven't met them yet and I want to meet you I really do so go to the link in my show notes to purchase your tickets. The event is September 26. You got to jump on this. You guys can't wait to see you there. So, okay, let's talk your journey about yoga. How did you get into it? Oh gosh. So I remember back in like high school days, one of my aunts tried to send me like a yoga mat and clothes and tried to get me into it. And it just, it wasn't fitting. I think I was too young. Um, I didn't have the patience for what I thought yoga was at the time. And, um, it wasn't until, um, actually I got sober and I was living in a 90 day rehab facility. Mm. My sister came to visit me once and she, and I was complaining to her of like, I restless leg syndrome. Like I can't Mm. settle down at night and I just, I can't get the cramps out and things like that. And she goes, Katie, you have to move your body. You have to move your body. You have to get this energy out. It needs somewhere to go. And so she took me, um, during one of our visits to this little lakeside and she taught me some basic sun, a salutations, you know, like a lifting and a folding and, I could not even do a chaturanga. My body was so weak trying to just figure out like, you're not giving me this alcohol and these drugs anymore. And I don't know how I feel. And my body was just so irregular and I just would fall. I would belly flop to the ground, Mm -hmm. but something in it was helpful. It was something to like focus my mind and my body on. Mm -hmm. And so she introduced that to me. And sure enough, I started doing it every morning at rehab just these basic sun salutations she showed me. And then it was an all women's center. And then the girls started joining me in the mornings. And then it became, well, Kate, are you going to lead yoga tomorrow morning? Are you going to lead yoga? Can we do it before our first sobriety meeting? And I would say, yeah. 
So I had no idea what I was doing, but all of a sudden I was leading this group of 12, 15 women under a pavilion at rehab. And I was like, okay, this is very cool. And you weren't certified or anything. You just, no, I had no idea what I was doing, Oh my God! but they loved it. And we loved it. And you know, um, we would just like lay there and we would makeshift meditate and move our bodies. And we did it every day. And then when when was this, this was back in, so I've been sober just over seven years. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I just celebrated seven years, not too long ago, less than a month ago. So that was seven years ago. And then when I was released from rehab, I ended up in Charleston. I'd never been to Charleston before, not even for a visit. And, um, but I came here because they had a women's halfway house that was giving me an interview and they were like, okay, if if you're a good fit, we'll give you a roof over your head. So my sister brought me here and I did this interview and I was like, I had no idea if they were going to give me a bed, but they did. And Mm -hmm. so I moved in and when I lived in the women's halfway house, it was up in North Charleston and I had no money, no car. I was on food stamps and I had to attend a sobriety meeting every day and get a piece of paper signed that says she went to a meeting. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't, they wouldn't let me sleep there. So with no money, I had to walk or what came to be run nine miles downtown. That was the closest sobriety meeting. So I became a runner and I would lace up my shoes and I would run nine miles go to a sobriety meeting, get a piece of paper signed, run back 18 miles every day, Yes, every day. Did you do for the weekends? Uh, yeah. On the weekends, sometimes a week. Holy crap. Yeah. Sometimes I would get rides back from the meetings. Okay. You know, someone in the sober room would give me a ride back. Um, sometimes someone would lend me bus money. So it wasn't every day, but if I didn't have that ride and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to ask for that help yet. So people would have to offer it to me, but I started getting faster (laughs) as far as running the more I did it. And so one day I ran downtown to go to a sober meeting and I was a little bit early. So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, let me keep running. And I was still new to the area. So I started running down what I now know is King street Mm -hmm. and I ran past a yoga studio. And so I stopped and I was like, Oh, yoga. I know this. My sister told me this. And they had flyers outside of their door. And so I picked up a flyer and sure enough, there was a free community yoga class that was starting like very soon. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this free yoga class because I can afford free. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just go to a later sober meeting. So I stood outside that door, attended a free yoga class. I had no idea what happened. I had no idea what the poses were. I just kept moving, but something happened in that class that like, brought me to my knees and broke me open. And it was the breath and the sweat and the movement. And I was just alive. I was alive for the first time. And I don't even know how long. And I was like, I have to have this. And I went to the teacher afterwards and I said, this is my story. I have no money, but I need this. And Mm -hmm. she said, you can wash our laundry and clean our floors once a week. And you can do all the yoga you want. And so that was the beginning. That's such a beautiful story. It was very cool. And it was, I know that it was meant to be, I know that I was like put 
right in front of that store on purpose that day. Mm-hmm. It was like divine intervention. It was the people I needed to meet, the place I yeah. needed to be at and everything just kept unfolding from there. So beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. So how, um, how long were you like taking classes there when you were like, Oh, I want to become an instructor. Oh gosh. You know, I didn't even know I wanted to be an instructor to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was more curious about that process because I knew it was going to be healing for me. Mm. I knew that it was going to be very supplemental to the work I was already doing in sobriety and the step program that I work there. And I wanted to dig deeper into what was making me feel this way when I did yoga Mm -hmm. and more about that journey. Um, So I didn't really know that I wanted to be a yoga teacher until I went through the process. So I was probably taking yoga and doing that maybe for a year, a year and a half or so. Mm -hmm. And then um, the opportunity presented itself um, and someone was able to help me sign up for that, that program, someone, um, near and dear to my heart. So, yeah. Cool. So now, um, what was I going to say? I, Oh, how many classes were you taking once you were getting like these classes for free? Oh gosh. I was probably taking about four to five a week. Wow. Yeah. Four to five classes a week when I could. Um, and then, it started kind of trailing off as I went because I, you know, then started like getting a job at first. I didn't have a job. Right. Once I, once I got a job and I was, had to move on from the halfway house and things like that and be a big girl, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and start living life again, um, as an adult, it trailed off a little bit there. Okay. Um, But I took as often as I could. I'm thinking about this because I'm like, okay, that's 18 miles a day. That's a lot of time. So how long do you think it took you to get there? Well, I got a bike eventually. Okay. So when I got, a, I got a bicycle. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So once I got a bicycle, I was able to do a lot more. So I would just kind of like strap my yoga mat to my backpack and like bike the nine miles. So right. then things got a little bit more efficient from there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, okay, if you have this addiction problem, you want to do, cause people are listening like, oh my God, 18 miles and then yoga and blah, blah, blah. But I would imagine with having an addiction, you probably want constant distraction from instead of, you know, taking, doing drugs or drinking. And I did very early on. I can very in a healthy way, say that I did become addicted to exercise Mm. and and things like that at first, you know, and, and for me, I think it's different for everyone that's finding their path in sobriety. But for me, that's what I needed at the time. I needed, Mm. I needed a healthy replacement and, you know, now it doesn't look like that for me at all. I have a much healthier relationship with exercise mm-hmm. and, and knowing when I'm overdoing it or knowing when too much is, is there. Um, but at that time, that's what I needed. That's what and, you yeah, needed. It was a good distraction for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's all I'll say. Like, I think yeah. it's different and, and there might be people who are sober who work a similar program that I do, who say like, 
that's really unhealthy. You just replaced one addiction for another. And I would say, yes, positively Mm -hmm. I did. I absolutely did do that, but it worked for me. And it saved you. It saved me a hundred percent saved me. It was, it was the adjunct. It was the two of them together for me. That was magic. It was magical. Just like stopping on that street. And then, yeah. Amazing. Something clicked. Yeah. So how long were you in this, this halfway house and kind of let's kind of, well, let's start this. Let's go back a little bit. So you said your sister brought you, was there some kind of like breaking point or was she worried or as far as my drinking? Yeah. Oh gosh. There were so many breaking points. There were so many points where I should have been at my bottom and and I never was, you know, I know now that my sister and my dad, um, they, they had pretty much gotten to the point where they accepted that it was either going to be a call from the jail Mm -hmm. or it was going to be a call from the morgue. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was just so deep in my addiction to the point of, I had accepted that that was just my life Mm. and I didn't care anymore. And that's when, you know, you're in trouble when you stop caring. Mm. And I didn't care that that's what my life looked like. I didn't care that I had pushed everyone away. I didn't care that I had DUIs. I didn't care that I was sleeping with people for drugs and Mm. money for alcohol. Uh, I didn't care that I was unemployable. I didn't give a shit anymore. Right. And And it was dark and it was ugly and it was lonely. And I was to the point where, you know, you know, I just visited my dad recently a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how he broke his leg years ago. And I had no idea. Yeah. So gone, right. Uh, Gone just separate from my family, but separate from if they told me it didn't register because 99% of the time I was blacked out, um, because I physically had that addiction where I woke up and I had to, I put it right back in my body, Mm -hmm. right back in my body. And so I would wake up feeling disgusted with myself and I would go right back to the fridge to see what was left over. If there was nothing left over, I would wait in Florida. 7am was the time where I could go back to the liquor store. Mm. So it was hat sunglasses, and I didn't have a car because I'd gotten a DUI. So I would walk or bike uh, to go get more. And that oh, was wow. what life looked like. Curtains drawn. Friends were basically users and drinkers at the same status as I was. So, yeah. Where would you get money to do this? Would you just have to steal it? I wasn't ever like, I never stole direct money. I was bar like bartending and serving mm. at restaurants. So I made fast cash yeah. and then I would just blow it that same night, mm-hmm. but it got to the point where I was blacked out at work. Yeah. So then I would go to shifts at work and not recall anything right. until I don't know if I got fired or if I quit. I don't know how it happened. I have no recollection of that at mm-hmm. my last job. Um, but at that point it was all about who I knew. Mm-hmm. And so I knew people who had drugs. Um, and so either they would just party with me or, or it looked like 
unfortunately, um, like a sexual relationship in order to get that, um, as far as alcohol went, um, there was a point where I started selling my furniture, Mm -hmm. things like that started Mm -hmm. slowly going out the door. And that was at my very bottom. Mm -hmm. That was it. Those, those were like the last few weeks is when I started going out that way. Um, so how long did you like, what got you into like drinking and drugs? Cause it seems like your, was your dad or your sister in, in, in my mom life? was an alcoholic. Okay, so, um, yeah. it runs on that side of the family. It's, it's very dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, I have aunts, uh, uncles, cause you know, it's just there. Um, it's a big Irish Catholic family. Yeah. Um, and so it's there and I watched my mom going through it when I was growing up and I think I, or I know, I know I always had it in my head of, I'm very aware of what alcoholism looks like. I know how destructive it is. I've been to 12 step meetings. You know, I've been the little girl sitting in the other room while my mom's in 12 step meetings. And so I just, I thought that I would be able to stop it. And obviously I know now that's not how it works. And so, um, my mother, um, struggled. She went in and out of rehab and things like that until, um, she passed away unexpectedly when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the autopsy shows that she was sober when she did pass away. Um, so that was not the cause she, she died in a sudden car accident. Oh, and I was at this age of 15 years old where, I mean, that's, it's a pivotal time in a young woman's life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was devastating. It was devastating for me and for my sister and for my dad, you know, like he didn't know what to do losing his ex-wife. I was going to ask if they were still together at the time. No, they were not together. any the mother of his kids, they had been separated and, you know, we were living with my father when it happened, but Mm. you know, it, doesn't negate, you know, how hard that was for him. Yeah. And I give him so much credit. I didn't at the time, you know, mm-hmm. I did not give him a, a, the, the credit that he deserved, but I see it now. Yeah. I see it now how, how that, uh, affected him. Sure. And he probably still like, he had to probably, I'm just, I don't know, guessing, but he probably had, well, it was his mother of his kids and he probably really loved her, loved her, but it was her sickness that most likely tore them apart. And I'm guessing a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think it just got to this point of like, you know, he could do, couldn't do it for himself or, or watch it anymore. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think that, I know that that truly was just kind of, that was the catalyst, Mm -hmm. um, for me going into this place of, um, this dark place Mm -hmm. and feeling like I was this young girl that walked into her high school hallways. And I felt like everyone was turning their back and whispering Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, there she is. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't know how to act around me. And, you know, and I didn't know anyone else's parents who had passed away, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if there were other kids in my school, like I didn't know them and my friends didn't know them. So I was the first among my group of friends, really, besides one girl who I knew of to have a parent pass away. And so no one at that age knows how to deal with that as a friend. Right. And so I felt very alone. 
overnight. And I didn't know how to deal with the feelings and, or, or talk about them. And, and so I got to a place where I missed her so much. She was my best friend. Uh, I missed her so much that I, I felt like I just would rather be with her. Mm. So I got into this place of cutting. And so I, I would get really, really sad and I would just cut to take my mind to a different place and focus the pain somewhere else rather than my heart, rather than my head. And my dad found out, my sister and my dad found out, uh, they saw some bandages around my wrists and they, um, I, I got put in a center, not completely against my will. I knew I was harmful to myself. Um, and I, I didn't want to feel that way. And, um, so I stayed at, uh, uh, somewhere to get some mental help and put me on suicide watch and things like that. And they put me on a lot of medication a lot of medication Mm. and it was anxiety and it was depression and it was sleep medication and all these things. And so then when I returned back to school, I was like zombied out, right? Like no emotion. There was no high, there was no low, there were no Mm -hmm. tears, there were no laughs. Mm. And then I found drinking Yeah, and drinking was like, Whoa, I felt everything. And I felt like I was like on top of the world and I felt good and I felt sexy at 16 Mm -hmm. years old and that's trouble, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then it just spun from there. I stopped taking my medications and I started taking everything that I could get my hands on that made me feel something. Mm -hmm. And the drug started right then 16 years old. I got into a heavy, heavy stage of ecstasy, Mm. heavy stage of ecstasy. Yeah. And and then it just got harder and harder. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. It's like trying to hold back tears here because I can just feel as a a 15 year old girl, the darkness, the sadness and uh, yeah, the pain, the pain of uh, losing, losing your best friend, your mom, you know, so um, when you became or when you went to this halfway house, did, was it, I can imagine being on drugs and alcohol for so long. Like, what did it feel like coming off of that? I was so tired. Mm. Honestly, all my body wanted to do was sleep. I was very, I was fortunate in that I did not experience a heavy dose of like, um, DTs like delirium tremens. Um, Mm. my body just really, truly wanted to sleep. Okay. Um, I did have, I don't know if it was like hidden injuries or injuries that like, I was just too intoxicated to feel. Um, but I did have a lot of things come up in, in rehab that I had never felt before in my body. Um, to the point where I was like scratching myself so hard, I was bleeding in the shower and, you know, them wanting to call the ambulance and things like that. But I didn't, I didn't necessarily have the shakes. Um, I didn't hallucinate anything like that. Um, And I, I feel for the people who go through that, I can imagine what it feels like to have those hallucinations. Mm -hmm. You know, alcohol is the most fatal to detox from. Mm. It's more fatal than heroin, anything like that. Alcohol has the 
most fatalities from detoxing. And it's because people underestimate it. Right. And you, for the most part, people develop a higher, um, uh, tolerance for alcohol because it's legal. Mm. So you're putting so much into your body and your body becomes so dependent on it to a point that you don't even comprehend. Mm -hmm. And then you just say, well, I'm going to do this cold Turkey Mm -hmm. and people die from it. Yeah. So it is highly recommended, um, to, to be detoxing under supervision, whether it's at a hospital or a detox facility, um, where they, if, if it's needed, if it's needed that they can assist you with medications or with small doses of alcohol so that your body doesn't go into shock. Um, it's not unknown that, that people have to come out off of alcohol with small doses of putting it back in their system because it can be very fatal. I did not realize that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So so interesting. Mm -hmm. So do you have friends that you met like in the halfway house that you still like, was there anybody like in particular that you like connected with or? Oh gosh. Yeah. I connected with a lot of the women in rehab. Um, you know, unfortunately I don't know of anyone at my rehab who stayed sober. I hope that maybe some people did, but the people that I was closest with in rehab didn't remain sober. Mm-hmm. Um, now in my halfway house in Charleston, I made such a couple really, really good friends. I remember this beautiful, uh, black woman and she was like the hard ass, you know, like she was an older woman and she had been there the longest. So she had privilege to have a car. She was the only one that had a car. And so she was like queen, she was queen of the house Mm -hmm. and she was just this badass. And one day she invited and she invited me to go to a a 12 step meeting with her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I would love a ride. And she took me and then she took me to Goodwill and she bought me a, my first pair of jeans from Goodwill. Aww. I'd lost so much weight. Yeah. Um, and so she bought me a new pair of jeans and I'll never forget her for that. Mom. And then I had, um, why, why am I friend? Oh, Called her grandma. Okay. She was the one God, she had, um, she just had this beautiful personality and I called her grandma cause she was old enough to be my grandma, but she was like a cool granny. <laughs> she was in the room next to me and she was the one where I couldn't sleep. I would tap, tap, tap on her door at night Aww. and say, are you awake? And she'd say, yeah. And I said, can I, will you sit outside and have a cigarette with me? And we would talk and talk and talk for hours. And, um, and she, I hope she's doing well. Mm-hmm. And then there's one other woman. She was awesome. It was, it's just amazing to watch people's journeys, but yeah, I made yeah amazing connections. Uh, women, women's faces are just literally ingrained in my mind because yeah. of the conversations we had and the moments we shared and, yeah. and, um, I'll never forget them. Yeah. Such a, it's a beautiful bond that nobody else could understand except, you know, you going through it in that, that same place. Yeah. So, um, do you still, do you still struggle with sobriety? Oh, I have my good days and bad days. Mm. I have more good days than bad days. Yeah. Um, now that time has progressed, but I do, I have my moments and I can't lie about it. Um, most of the time it's 
going out to dinner, right? Like a nice dinner, say you're like going to a nice Charleston dinner with friends or, and romanticizing that one glass of red wine. It was always like red wine for me, you know, it just, for me, red wine represented one of my favorite aunts. Who's like this very well-known painter Mm. and creative and the writer of the family. And just, it always represented that to right. me in a sense and this this status symbol almost mm-hmm. and um and so I romanticize it sometimes and it doesn't bother when, me when people at my table order drinks at all anymore but every once in a while I'll catch myself looking at the glass from across the table and then I just have to check myself yeah um and things like that and remind myself that I cannot drink like a normal person, right? They, it looks like a sexy one glass of wine to them. To me, it looks like the one glass of wine followed by a bottle of tequila, followed by uh, another liquor store run in this. And it's probably like two weeks later that I might say like, this probably needs to stop. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's like, it's never just one drink. Never, never, and there's never. so many people- never was right. And there's so many people like that, like my mom, you know, and I talked to her about this because she's been sober for a while now, too. And um, she was like, yeah, once in a while, you know, like, yeah, it just looks like fun or whatever. And then it's like, but I can't, you know, so that that's not the type of person I know. I can think of a few listeners right now listening that they're on this journey of sobriety because it is a journey, right? And, um, so I know everything you're saying they can, um, relate to. And I wanted to ask you this too, because so the other day I thought it was so brave of you. First of all, you went to a friend's, uh, birthday party by yourself. I feel like if you're drinking or not, that's hard. And then you went sober. Mm-hmm. How do you find, I guess the courage and, Um, like if you're feeling uncomfortable, if like, there's nobody to talk to, or what do you tell yourself, um, while you're, while you're there to help you, um, I don't know, get through the rest of dinner if you're uncomfortable. Honestly, that's a great question. And, you know, uh, anyone who is listening and is starting their journey into sobriety and having those moments of discomfort, there's advice that was given to me that I love passing on. It's when you're going to these things, always have your own ride home Mm -hmm. so that that moment hits and you know, you've got to go, you know, that you're highly uncomfortable. You're getting squirrely or antsy and, you know, um, it's becoming too tempting, have your own ride home. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just, always right away. Like I go straight to the bartender or my waitress. And I say like, Hey, I'm not drinking tonight. I would love for you to just like keep a bottle of sparkling water behind the, behind the bar or something like that. And just like, keep my glass full too, you know? And like, it's this understanding, like, look me in the eye. I'm going to tell you like, Hey, I'm not drinking tonight. Can you help me out a little bit? Right. Most of the time they get it, but that took years for me to gain the confidence to do that. Um, but always have something in your hand because I came to learn about myself. It's almost like, um, it's a physical action I'm used to taking, right? Like rim of glass to mouth, rim of glass to mouth. I get uncomfortable. I have nothing to say rim of glass to mouth, you know? (laughs) So it doesn't matter what's in the glass. Just have a glass in your hand. doesn't have to look like everyone else's where if you have that just uncomfortable moment, like 
sparkling water to the mouth, sparkling water to the mouth, cranberry juice, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're going to like a house party or something like that, same thing, bring your, you know, some sober people don't drink kombucha because it has trace amounts of alcohol. Mm -hmm. I love kombucha. I'm not drinking it to get drunk. I'm drinking it because it's, I like the taste and it's beneficial for my health. Yeah. So I'll bring my own kombucha or my own sparkling waters to the house get together and I'll make Mm -hmm. myself at home in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, I think that's great, great advice. Um, earlier in the, I was reading your bio, I guess, um, that you are a legacy Lululemon ambassador ambassador. What does legacy mean? It means that my official two-year contract is over. Okay. So I was a Lululemon ambassador for the Mount Pleasant store here Mm. in Charleston. And basically you're signed on under a two-year contract and your picture goes up on their wall and, you know, you get to do community events and sport all their, their latest and greatest clothing and give them great feedback. And they're wonderful at giving you leadership events and conferences and things to help you really grow into who you are and whatever it is that you're doing for the community. And so my two years is up. Mm. So I am now a lifelong legacy Lululemon ambassador. So, oh, so cool. Yeah. I'll constantly be tied to them. There's opportunities for me every year in their company to learn more, do more, um, and network more. So I'm so grateful for that. And mm-hmm. they've got just so many resources, so many resources globally. Wow. So it's really neat to have that kind of at your fingertips and know that you've got support from them always. That's so cool. So it's not yeah. just about like free clothes or no. discounts. <laughs> well, I mean, that's all great. And that's yeah. wonderful because you know, when you, when you do yoga and fitness for a living, like you go through a lot of clothes, like yeah, I'm sweaty sure. 10 minutes into class. So I need all the clothes and their quality is outstanding. Of course. Yeah. Um, sure. but no, it's about a lot more than that. And mm-hmm. even since, you know, I've started building my own company and my own brand, there's been conversation with some of my leaders from Lululemon, like, how can we help you? What can we do? How can we support you? And so it's just constant and forever. And that's wonderful. Mm, I love Mm -hmm. that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So cool. So talk about, um, uh, when Gunnar and Q were on here, they talked about your retreat in Tulum, like talk about, was that your first one that you created or how did that come about? No. So my retreats are called rise and that's just kind of my branded name for the, um, work that I offer on my retreats because it's so much more than yoga. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the time we're thinking yoga retreats, we sit by the pool or by the beach or, you know, yes, we do those things and we do yoga twice a day and Mm -hmm. there's more work to be done because Mm -hmm. yoga, while most of us are attracted to yoga for the physical practice, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's okay, I need to move my body or I want to learn to stand on my hands or whatever it is. 99% of the time we're attracted to yoga for the physical properties of what it gives us, but yoga is so much more than that. And it's a lifestyle. And there's these eight limbs of a path of the yoga lifestyle we walk. And I resonate most with a limb of yoga called Svadhyaya, which is self-study. And so that's what I offer on my retreats is I walk people through this six day workshop or however long the retreat is six days is usually 
ideal for the, for the work we do of self-study work. Mm. And I walk them through, there's modules every day of what our group work looks like, what your individual work looks like. And basically we start at the beginning of like, what's your story? Why are you here? Who are you mad at? What's happened? Who do you hold resentment towards? And then we peel the layers back, peel it back, peel it back. Mm. We look at the, what happened, the, who was involved, um, how it made us feel, Mm. how we showed up, how we want to show up moving forward. Because what I found in my journey into sobriety and just the years that I've spent trying to just be a better person Mm -hmm. is that I can be, I can be so quick to just say, well, this person did this and they made me feel that way. Mm -hmm. Well, they did that, but I allowed them to make me feel that way. Right. So I have control over my feelings or how I show up and um, how I respond and react to things. And so really looking at our parts and working with people that might be able to help us see something we can't see, Mm. right? I believe that self can't always see self. We can be blinded by our own hearts, by our own passions, Mm. by our own beliefs, and to have an outside perspective of, well, I hear you. I hear that's very hurtful. I, I empathize with you. And have you ever considered that maybe this person felt this way Mm. or have you ever thought about this? And so having an outside perspective, I've found really has opened my eyes Mm -hmm. to more than the way that I see things. Yeah. And it's been very helpful for me in, in looking at myself and it's opened a lot of people people's eyes that I've done this work with and healed a lot of traumas and healed a lot of burdens of heavy shit that they're carrying mm-hmm. around that they don't need to carry around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been very liberating and very rewarding. So that's the rise work that we do on these retreats. And Tulum was, I think my fifth retreat that I've done actually. Tulum. That's how you said it. I probably mispronounced it. Okay. <laughs> Tulum. Oh, so, so, and then you mentioned Belgium before. Where, what were you there for? Oh gosh. I went to Europe. I was actually attending a retreat. Okay. So, um, I started hosting retreats way before I ever attended one, which okay. is kind of a backwards way of doing it. Wow, I totally. Like, I was ready to get in there and I'm yeah. like, well, I don't know what other people do, but I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I just did what felt true to me. Um, but I was attending a retreat in Northern Italy with a woman who has now become a mentor to me. She teaches yoga in Savannah. Mm. Her name is Meg Shuba. You can find her on Instagram. She's wonderful. And I was attending her retreat in Northern Italy and it was cheaper to fly into Belgium. So I saved the money and flew into Belgium, into Brussels, instead of flying into Milan and the money that I saved on the flight, I was able to spend like five days in Belgium by myself. Oh, so cool. I did that instead. Yeah. Yeah, I did that and then did Northern Italy for the retreat. And then I went to, um, Venice and then I went to Iceland and it was incredible. How long were you overseas? I did like three weeks. Okay. Yeah. You kind of have to big trip. And 
Um, I was very, I was just in a place where I was able to do it. And I was mm-hmm. very, you know, very grateful that I was employed by someone who was uh, able to let me do that at the time. Oh, such a cool experience. Yeah. So how many retreats do you typically do a year? And I'm sure last year was. Yeah. Last year. <laughs> yeah. Last year was funky. Um, but this year already I've done two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be it for this year. Um, two is the most I've done so far in a year. And that's always because I've had a full-time job on top of trying to do it. Where was the other location? Um, earlier this year was right outside Asheville in, okay. um, in Lake lore, okay. so a, a big house on the lake so we did. Um, the domestic ones I found are, are easier for me to do, um, or more cost efficient to do at big Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my sister is actually, uh, kind of a self-made chef. So my sister, I've been so grateful. She's been able to chef retreats for me that I do domestically. So cool. It's incredible because that's just, that's a dream come true for the two of us Yeah, to partner and do work together after everything we've been through together. Yeah. Uh, you know, just our childhood and losing our mom and our dad, you know, raising us and, and doing all of that. It was a lot to go through at a young age. And, Mm -hmm. and she's just always been my guiding light. She's my rock. And then for her to not give up on me as a sister and, and be there in my darkest hours when, when I was very, very sick and, and unwell in the depths of my alcoholism and drug addiction mm-hmm. and to support me in coming on the other side, this is a dream come true for us to do something healthy and mindful and nourishing, mm-hmm. um, to give back to ourselves and to other people is just beyond our wildest dreams. So, <sighs> so yeah. cool. now is she older, younger? She's two years older okay. and she lives in the upstate of South Carolina on a small farm with her husband and two kids. So they, um, grow their own food and raise chickens and pigs. And, um, if they don't, um, have the food that they raise on their own, they do a lot of trade with other farmers, um, right there in the community to get the food they need. How neat is that? Very neat. It's very cool. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Very off the grid type stuff. It, it's very neat. And she's so knowledgeable. I mean, she could take a walk on her property and what we think is a weed. She knows all the health be- benefits of it. She knows if it's edible, she knows how to make a tea out of it or how to make a paste out of it. And she just is amazing. Oh, so, so neat. So neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I can talk to you. Um, all night. We'll talk why we're on the topic of retreats. You said there are some, um, let's talk about your collaborations and, um, let's start with that collaboration. Okay. So life is just so big right now and I'm so grateful and I'm truly in awe of everything that's unraveling. So right now, um, collaboration wise, uh, like you mentioned in my bio, I'm the new yoga director at core Four elite fitness. So that of course is a huge collaboration. And I'm so grateful and honored to be a part of that and have the opportunity to build a new yoga program from the ground up. So that is starting to take shape and we'll be opening our permanent space. We're in a temporary space right now, but we'll be opening, um, hopefully in early October here in West Ashley. Okay. Um, I collaborate with um, local 
you know, holistic healing places all over. I do some pop-ups with connection health center, which you came and that's how we met my chiropractor, Dr. Courtney Brandenburg and myself do a lot of pop-ups of chiropractic and yoga care on September 19th, which is a Sunday. I have a great event coming up at synchronicity Mm. and they are located in Mount Pleasant and they have just a whole wellness arena of salt caves and massage chairs and cold plunges and cryotherapy, the whole nine yards. Mm. So tickets are available for that. You can um, click the link in my bio, the exclusive price for people to do a 90 minute session with all of their wellness offerings plus yoga, those tickets are sold out, Mm. but there still are general admission tickets available. And those include an hour of yoga plus a two minute cold plunge Mm. and a Kate moon. I can't even say my last name, Kate moon (laughs) mocktail, right? We are sober living. And so it's a mocktail made by get groovy. Um, And so there'll be a Kate moon mocktail included with that price as well. So links in my bio on Instagram and those are available that September 19th. Awesome. That's And then I have um, five retreats next year. So we are going big. Um, Two of my retreats that I've already announced are sold out. Where Uh, are those? So Zion national park is, um, in late March, that one is sold is sold out. Um, and then Costa Rica in Nosara, Costa Rica is sold out for late May. Wow. Um, so I will be announcing, put this, mark this in your calendar, in your phone. If you are listening right now, put it in your calendar, September 7th at 7 PM on Eastern time. Eastern standard time, Mm -hmm. 7 PM on Instagram. I will be live and I'll be announcing my three retreats for the rest of the year. And I can't tell you where they are, but I can tell you one of them is early April. Mm -hmm. That's domestic. One of them is second week of September. That is international. Mm. And the third one is the second week of November. And that is also international. Ooh. Oh my gosh. You got us all excited. Mark your calendars. The first Zion retreat sold out in 14 minutes, which is just insane. It's insane. This is what Q does. She it's all her. It's all her. She just knows how to make things happen. And then Costa Rica sold out, I think in five hours. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So September 7th, 7 PM, you've got to get on right away Mm -hmm. and see where the retreats are at and claim your spot. Awesome. Tell us, I'm going to put this in the show notes, but tell the listeners what your Instagram is and what your website is. Absolutely. Super easy. It's my name at Kate moon yoga. Mm. So that's my Instagram handle at Kate moon yoga. And then my website is katemoonyoga.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Super excited about that. Um, let me finish here. There's a couple things that I'm like, ah, oh, I wanted to touch on. Um, is it hard finding a partner that is on board with your sobriety? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I am basically as you can tell, like I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. So it's usually like the first date 
that I am like, look, this is who I am. This is how Mm -hmm. I live because like, let's not waste anyone's time. Like if you're here to party, like, that's awesome. Like I've been there, done that and like, go do your thing. But like, I'm not your person. Yeah. Um, and so there are people who have walked away, but then there's people who have like loved me very hard because of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's been incredible to have that support and, and also watch people kind of on their own terms, just slowly find more sobriety in their life. If not all the way, they, they stop drinking as much, not because I've asked them to, but because they just fall into sync with me. And um, so I've met some beautiful people in relationship with that. Yeah. So cool. And, um, you are so, you're so good with words and how do you find like the inspiration when you are like, teaching, like, what do I say? You know, when you're like, you Mm. want to set a certain tone. Yeah. Honestly, I talk a lot from I, because again, I think we're all humans Mm -hmm. uh, or the way I usually say it is, I think we're all spiritual beings having a human experience on this planet. Right. And so the more we share how human we are, the more connected I feel to you and you to me. So I usually like before I teach a class, I have my morning coffee or whatever it is. And I just close my eyes and I'm like, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Like, what, where, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing in life? Um, and if, if I don't draw inspiration from that, mm-hmm. I make sure that like, what pops up on my social media feed or in my mailbox, in my, you know, my snail mailbox, anything Mm -hmm. like that is full of inspiration and uplifting or real rawness. I love Mm -hmm. following writers and poetry and, Mm -hmm. um, big thinkers and, um, and public speakers and Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts. It's huge Mm -hmm. for me. And I'm like, Oh, I want that. I call them little gold nuggets yeah. and I'll whip out my phone into the notepad and I'll be like, mm, gold nugget. Yeah. You know? And I also believe in giving people credit where credit is due. If it's yeah. like, Hey, this is from Oprah. Like, <laughs> let you know, like I got this from Oprah, right? <laughs> Not me, but like, I usually put a spin and I'm like, this is how I relate to it mm. because I it's like, that. it's one thing just to like quote a book, but it's like, this is why I'm sharing this with you because right. this is how it makes me feel. Because okay. people can hear words all the time and they're like, Ooh, yeah, that's juicy. But mm-hmm. it's like, they have a hard time. Re- well, like, how do I relate to it? Yeah. So most of the time, if I, if I tell them like what it means to me, they're like, Oh, and then it gets them thinking a little bit more. Mm. I love that. I love that. It's been so much fun. I, I mean, I could talk to you for days. I know. I feel so connected to you. I'm sure the listeners do. Like we've been, I feel like this in the course of an hour or so, like on this journey of like highs. And then I'm like, I have tears in my eyes. And then, you know, we're laughing. And so. And you, uh, I mean, and I saw the tears in your eyes. Like you, I could just tell like you're a loving mother mm-hmm. and that you you feel hard and you love hard. And I think that's such a beautiful gift to hear people and truly put yourself in their shoes. It's a gift that a lot of people don't have. And I just, I see it. And that's a beautiful quality. Oh, thank you. Really I, is. 
Thank you so much. You're a beautiful person. And we're so excited to hear about these retreats. We're going to end the show here, guys. If you love this episode, I have a few questions off, off, off the air that I want to ask, um, Kate, because we got to continue this conversation. But, um, if you enjoyed this episode, if you pulled anything from this episode, please take a screenshot, tag Kate moon, uh, yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Kate, Moon yoga. Kate Moon Yoga and myself and share it on your social media or also send it to somebody. If you know somebody that is going through a hard time and this or went through a hard time and they can take anything from Kate's journey, please do that because that's you're giving a gift to somebody else as well. So thank you so much, you guys. And remember, you got this. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available. My goal is to inspire others to become their vision and one way to get the word out is with reviews. I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes and it would mean so much to me. Thanks again and remember to go after the life you want. Bye guys. Bye guys.